Chapel. So if my calculations are correct, this is the second to last Monday Chapel this semester, which is, you know, I don't know if it's a promise or a threat, but that's what it is. <laughs> and so we're wrapping up our uh, series on the sad psalms of scripture today with Psalm 90. I know I made a promise to you that these were all the forbidden psalms that aren't in the hymnal, but this one actually is. Uh, but I chose it anyways because uh, this, this psalm has some very interesting things to say about mortality and about aging. And so your, your question to ask your neighbor today, uh, would you rather know the exact day you're going to die, know the decade you're going to die, or know nothing? 
So discuss amongst yourselves. So 
Let us pray. God of all glory and might, we are but dust and ashes who live short lives here on this earth. And yet you have loved us and you have chosen to share in our mortal nature. And by doing that, you have promised us that this mortal husk will one day be glorified and that we will be in the resurrection with you. And for this, we praise Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for your incredible goodness to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Please welcome up uh, Scott Ashman, who'll be teaching us today. Psalm 90. I get the last of the sad psalms. Uh, that's uh, today's text. We're going to read it alternately. It'll be up here. Uh, we'll read it verse by verse. I'll read the uh, odd verses, and you all read the even verses. All right, again, odd, even. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. You return man to dust and say, Return, children of Adam. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the end of uh, Psalm 90. This psalm sort of kind of holds our eyelids open and shows us our frailty and brevity. It uh, turns that sand clock over in front of us and says, watch, see how quickly the sand slips to the bottom? That's your life. Soon enough, there won't be anything left. This isn't something we just find out from Scripture. Um, we know that mortality is a universal reality for humanity. It afflicts everyone of every time and place. Uh, the question we have then is, what can be done about our mortality? 
I'm sure you can think of many answers that uh, you've heard. I'm just going to list a few before we dive into Psalm 90. Of course, one answer is to, well, carpe diem in a way, right? Suck the marrow of life dry. Live life to the fullest. Eat, drink, and be merry before you die. This is a hedonistic action that we hear with carpe diem or we hear with YOLO, right? The acronym, you only live once. Uh, this, this maybe sounds like a nice thing to do, but the problem is it doesn't really cure my mortality, right? It's just a pleasure-seeking action that dies out when that last sand uh, grain of sand falls down. Another answer kind of goes in the opposite direction, which is to let go of life before it lets go of you. This might manifest itself as an ascetic reaction that pushes away the desires and delights of life, thinking that the suffering of finitude will be diminished if there is little of life left to relinquish when death descends. Or this might manifest itself as a nihilistic attitude that denies any meaning or joy in life, uh, thus trying to rob death of any significance or horror. The problem with these solutions is that they, again, don't solve the problem. They approach mortality as a kind of palliative care that attempts to soothe the fear and pain of death. Yet another answer to say is that death is a natural part of life. We are born, live, and in death our elements return to the universe to support new life that follows the same cycle of life. And if you want to start singing Disney Circle of Life, that may be somewhat similar, but cycle of life, right? It's been going on and on and on, and we're just a part of it. This is a materialist outlook, and it it does attempt to give death meaning in the sense that your physical remains impact the lives of later beings, but it still doesn't cure my mortality. A newer answer is to say that human mortality may be natural, but it can be overcome. It can be overcome with technology. We can live better and longer with genetic modifications. And for more on that, come here on December 4th in the CU Center to see a movie about CRISPR and DNA technology. Especially Core Bio and Core Theo students come here. Moreover, aside from living longer and better, we can uh, live forever if we upload our consciousness to a digital chip and then implant it repeatedly into new bodies that we endlessly shed after each one falls apart. Unlike previous answers, this transhumanism uh, seeks to overcome mortality by making our minds immortal. The problem with this solution is that even if we could upload our minds and consciousnesses, and that is really a big question, but even if we could do that and upload it to a silicon-based substrate, well, we've all used technology, right? That's still a pretty uh, fragile physical state of existence that can be easily broken or erased. All these really fall short of solving my mortality. An ancient biblical answer to mortality comes from the greatest uh, prophet of the Old Testament, Moses. And that's what we get in Psalm 90 today. In Psalm 90, Moses redirects our responses. Rather than seeing the cure to our mortality in an action or reaction or attitude or outlook or technology that we try to control, Moses points out that we don't control our life and death. God does. Thus, the answer to our brevity is not found in us, but in our relationship to the eternal God and our relationship to the creator of all things, to our relationship to the one in whom we live and dwell for refuge and strength. Moses reminds us that we are dust, pointing us back to the origin of our plight. We are all, as he says, children of Adam. So we inherit the death that Adam and Eve brought upon all humanity by their rebellion against God because of their sins 
and as Paul would say, because of our sins that wreck the good creation and right relationships that God has made, we are returned to earth. As God graciously spoke creation into being, so God speaks humans back into hummus, so to speak. Return, children of Adam, justly punishing us for our evil. And nothing we can do can trump that verdict of death. The only answer to our mortality is found in God, specifically, as Moses points us to, God's steadfast love and mercy. Wisdom, and this does come up in the text, if you know it, wisdom comes when we realize the cause of our mortality and when we realize that the solution to our demise is in a restored relationship with God. Rather than foolishly trying to dwell apart from God, uh, which is impossible, right? No things exist apart from God. Wisdom understands that we only live because of God. So we seek refuge in God, the very one who takes the life from us because of our sins. Uh, This sounds kind of Jobian and ironic, right? That we would go to the one to give us life who takes it from us. But the work, quote here, the work that Moses begs God to show is not as what the prophet Isaiah talks about as God's strange or alien or foreign work of wrath. That's not that work that Moses is begging for. That, that's the unnatural action of God that, takes, um, that God takes only in response to evil to, to eradicate the evil that has infected the world, to take out that evil that would forever uh, ruin God's good creation. No, what Moses pleads for God to do is his natural work of loving kindness. Moses prays for God to restore goodness to our lives in the way that God originally created Adam and Eve and their children to be. This is not because we somehow deserve this goodness or life, but it's because God is merciful and loving. With such wisdom about our plight and salvation, now we can now reread God's command, return children of Adam in a very different way. Rather than hearing this as a declaration of our dusty doom, which is what it was above, we now hear this as God's gracious call for us to return to him. God tells us to repent of our damnable evil and to receive. Receive what? Receive his forgiveness. Receive his goodness. And receive his renewal for our lives. Here we really see the heart of God and God's true desires for each one of us. We hear this in the prophet Ezekiel later when he captures this and he says, essentially, God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. But his desire is that all people repent and live in his grace. We likewise hear this in the last prophet of the Old Testament, John the Baptist, when he calls his people to repent, preparing us for the grace of God that comes to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And we hear this in Peter, who personally knew the abundance of God's grace in the face of multiple rejection, right? And he he echoes Moses' psalm when he writes, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord isn't slow to fulfill his promise of of judgment here, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance and thus life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us be wise about the reason for our mortality. Uh, Let us be honest about our complete dependence on God for our very lives. And let us daily repent and moreover receive God's merciful works of favor, of goodness, and gladness, and renewed life. Return, children of Adam.
Please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, as we've uh, entered into these dark psalms, these psalms of complaint and lament, we thank you that you've given us voice and words to use in the times when we face mortality, when we face sorrow and tragedy. We pray that we would always bring these things to your feet as the only one who can bear these burdens and the only one who can give us uh, the true hope of, uh, that only you can give, the peace that passes all human understanding. And so let us go forth not in sorrow but in joy, knowing you and knowing your wonderful love for us. In your name we pray, amen. Now may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.